you to see my face and I want you to hear my voice because so much can be lost just in the communication of written word or text or everything like that. Just so much isn't able to be experienced. And um, in, a, in a time where we're getting most of our information from places like Facebook and the news and stuff like that, I think it becomes really difficult to hear the heart of people and experience the heart of people. And if I have um, any goal uh, this morning, it would be to um, just to communicate my heart to you, uh, communicate the heart of God uh, to you, uh, that you would be encouraged in that, that you would be, that you would experience a full affirmation of the love of God, uh, shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, and um, that this would be a season for you where God redeems a whole bunch of um, circumstances. Uh, it's, it's easy to, to look at uh, and to experience a situation like this and to think nothing but negative or to experience nothing but negative. But there's one thing I know uh, about our God is that he is in the business of redemption and his business uh, is not shut down. His business is not quarantined. Um, he, has not, he has not canceled the work of redemption in your life. He has not canceled the work of redemption because of coronavirus. Uh, in fact, he is actively working even now in this time and in this place to take uh, what maybe the enemy has been meaning for harm and turning it into good. Um, and so I... Um, that's my prayer for us, that's my prayer for you, that we would experience the redemptive power of That was awkward. Um. <laughs> it's allergies, people. I have allergies. It's dusty up here. Well, if you, if you came to Conduit Ministries live stream this morning looking for a super polished professional video of a cutting edge church, you might get some of that, but you're also going to get random sneezes in the middle of the live stream. Okay, here we go. Um, I'm trying not to sneeze again. Um, yeah, I've been asking and talking with many people uh, this week, asking the Lord, even in my own private time with Him, um, how do we survive this? How do we, okay, not just survive now, but now how do we thrive? Um, and maybe if that's too cliche for you, like, oh, you can either survive or you can thrive, and yeah, maybe that is a little too cliche, I understand. Maybe, maybe a better way to talk about it is how do we just simply move through it? How do, we, how do we walk in such a way that the opportunities that God is offering to us in this um, are not wasted? 
Um, I'm going to be preaching this morning out of a small, pa- a really small passage in the book of Romans, the letter, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 12. So if you have um, a Bible there with you this morning, I'd encourage you to open it up to Romans 12, verse 12. And Paul um, says these um, few words, it's just uh, nine words, ten words, it's some words, ten words. Um, but it has uh, a really, I think, Im- impactful message for us this morning. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. And be faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. And be faithful in prayer. It's kind of these three steps, right? Or these three individual things. Be joyful in hope, number one. Be patient in affliction, number two. Be faithful in prayer, number three. And uh, a lot of times we, we see things like this and we say, all right, they're, they're steps and they build on each other. And so I have to be joyful in hope first. And then I can be patient in affliction, second. And then I can be faithful in prayer, third. And that um, may seem normal, but, what, but what, what I think is maybe more appropriate for this verse and for the kind of the path that we're on right now is instead of thinking of them as steps that you must take and you know you can't, you can't skip a step, right? And you can't jump steps, you've got to step on each one, is that these are more like parallel tracks, Meaning that you don't do one, and then it's over, and then you do the next, and then that's over, and then you do the third, and then that's over, and you've, you've completed your steps. Right? No, this is, a, this is a parallel track, meaning that we must be all at one time. We must be joyful in hope, and then at the same time, we must be patient in affliction, and at the same time, we must be faithful in prayer in, in order to successfully walk through walk in the midst of a circumstance or situation like we're in right now. But I also don't want to say that, you know, Paul's words in Romans 12 only apply to what we're experiencing now in this time and place, this quarantine or lockdown or social distancing or separation or however you want to call it or whatever you want to call it. But that this can apply to all circumstances of our lives. Um, all circumstances that we that we walk through, um, all situations that we deal with, whether it's going to be two years from now or whether you're going to experience it in two weeks or whether you're going to experience it right now, that being joyful in hope, being patient in affliction, and being faithful in prayer will give you um, will give you a framework, right, to press through, move through, walk through. Um, what it is that we are experiencing. You know, when I was um, asking the Lord, uh, Lord, what, what do you have for your people this week? What do you desire them to hear? What do you, what do you need for them to know? I was brought back to a sermon that um, we did over the Christmas season last year in 2019 
where we, where we focus in on the names of God from Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> and then one of those names um, was Everlasting Father. And um, the word everlasting had to do with God's, has to do with God's unmovable and unchangeable character. That in, um, that in a world where everything changes and in a world where chaos is the norm, not the exception, uh, that, that God is the constant that we can rely on, that God is the, the anchoring point, the tethering point um, that we can grab hold of that is immovable when the rest of the world is in chaos. And I think if you remember that sermon, uh, this may help jog your memory. I shared a clip up on the screens of um, the movie Twister where they were running from this big F5 um, tornado and they got in this little shed and it had a pipe that went down deep into the ground and they took a leather strap and they tied themselves to that strap um, or to that, to that pipe so that when the hurricane came through right, everything else was destroyed around it but because they were tied to something that went deep they were tied to something that would not move that they were not swept away by by um, by the tornado and and the application to your life and my life um, <clears throat> I think it's pretty obvious there that if you if you strap yourself if you tether yourself if you tie to yourself tie yourself to things that are temporary that are fleeting that um, like Jesus says um, things that moth and rust destroy, that thieves can break in and steal, um, then, then you've, you've tied yourself to something that will um, prove itself to be not very faithful during the midst of a storm. But when we, when we tether ourselves to God, when we, when we make Him our anchoring point, then coronavirus 2020, um, financial crisis, right? losing my job, uh, health crisis. I don't know if what's going to happen here, relational crisis. This relationship is ending. This friendship is ending. My marriage is on the ropes. Uh, my kids are walking away from the Lord. Uh, when, you, when you tether yourself to the immovable character, nature, relationship with God, um, then you're, you're, you're not safe from difficult circumstances. But you have an anchoring point that centers you in the midst of the storm and you, you, will, not be, you will not be swept away. Um, and um, so what we're going to do this morning is look at um, these three separate little, I guess you call them phrases or sayings from Romans chapter 12. And... Um, and maybe, I don't want to say dissect them, but um, we'll, we'll look at them each in, in uh, connection with one another and maybe, maybe give ourselves a little bit of a framework going forward for how we navigate difficult circumstances in the midst of all this. And so, um, 
I guess let me just uh, give me give me an opportunity to pray for us again that the Lord would um, speak to us through this and that He would use His Word um, and um, that the Holy Spirit would take the message that God has and shoot it directly down into our hearts. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that Your Word here in Romans chapter twelve would be a tremendous encouragement to us, a challenge to us, maybe a corrective to us. Maybe this last week we kind of feel like we were just, um, you know, being tossed around by the waves of life, blown around by the, the winds of circumstance and didn't really have an anchoring point. Lord, I know that I need an anchoring point moving forward, that I need a place to set my feet down that is firm, a place where I can um, rest my head, ensure confidence that you are with me. Lord, wherever we are this morning, wherever we are watching this, wherever we are hearing this, whatever we are doing, Lord, would you help to cease distraction, help to cease um, the movement, Lord, of our souls and our minds, that we might be firmly anchored to you in Jesus' name. Amen. To be joyful in hope. To be joyful in hope. What, um, what is hope? Why, why can we be joyful in it? Um, hope, hope is this. Write this down. Remember it. Uh, or don't write it down because you don't have to because it's on video for the rest of all of our lives now. <laughs> write, write this down. Hope. Hope is a patient confidence in what has been promised but what is not yet here. Hope is a patient confidence in what has been promised, but what is not yet here. In a minute, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 6 that says hope is an, an anchor for our souls that makes us firm and secure. One thing I want um, us to be able to delineate really um, clearly is the difference between hope and just wishful thinking. Because they're not the same thing. If I say something like, well, I really hope this works out. That's not, that's not hope in the, in the biblical sense. That's, that's, uh, that's wishful thinking. I well, I, I really just, I, I hope this works out. Like, I'm not sure it's going to work out. I don't have any confidence that it's going to be okay. I'm, um, I'm wishing upon a star, so to speak. I'm opening up the fortune cookie. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm counting on that it's going to be okay. That's not, that's not biblical hope. There's nothing wrong with saying, well, I, I really hope that things are going to be okay. 
Uh, there's nothing wrong with wishful thinking per se, but we want to really make a, a really clear difference between what, what we have as followers of Jesus Christ. We have hope. We don't have, we don't have wishful thinking. We don't, we don't have a real, I really hope I'm going to be okay in this. Or, oh, I, I really hope that God's got me. I really, I really hope that everything is going to be okay with my family. I really hope that God um, is not going to let my, my foot fall or my foot um, bash against a rock, as the psalmist says. I really, I really hope this. I really wish that. That's not the type of hope that we have as Christians. Our, our hope is more of a, is a, is a, is a deep root that goes deep down into, into the soil of our being, into the soil of God's character. Um, our hope, when we talk about the hope that Christians have, is we're talking about a, a hope that is tethered to God's character and to God's promises. Now, here's uh, some, some really Im important encouragement about the strength of God's promises and the strength of the hope that you and I have. And it's this. You, you can keep your finger in Romans chapter 12, but I want you to flip over to um, Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, the writer of Hebrews, um, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 19. Hebrews chapter 6. Talk about um, a time that God made a promise to Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation. And uh, he's referencing a portion of scripture from Genesis, or earlier midpoint of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 22, um, places like that. But uh, he says, the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter 6, verses, uh, starting at verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. That was the promise, right? I will surely bless you and give you many des descendants. But he, he said at the beginning here in verse 13, when God made that promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, that God swore by him, himself. That, that, God's, that God's promise was based on himself. You know, sometimes we will say things like, we will use hyperbole in order to, uh, which is like exaggeration for effect, right? We will use it as a way to get our point across. And so when we want to promise something to someone, we will say things like, well, how serious are you about this promise that you're making? And we'll say, I swear it on my grandmother's grave that I'm going to do this. I, 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 I 
I promise on my, on my kids' college fund, or whatever the case may be, that we, we use something that's big, we use something that's important, we use something that is, that is sacred, and we talk about how um, our, our promise is linked to this thing that's super important and that we would never compromise and that we would never sacrifice because, like, I don't know what the actual fallout would be if we said, well, I swear it on my grandmother's grave and then we didn't come through with that promise, what that would mean for my grandmother's grave, I'm not sure. But I think that we all understand, right? We all understand that there is a, when we, when we take, when we make a promise and when we link it to something super important or super large that we're essentially using how important that thing is to us as collateral on coming through with the promise. Coming through with the, with the, um, with the guarantee. And so in this instance here, um, what the writer of Hebrews says and what we see in Genesis in the life of Abraham is that God, having no one bigger than himself, could only swear on who? God was, couldn't be like, well, I swear on my grandmother's grave. Right? That the only thing God could swear upon was himself. Swear upon his character. Swear upon his nature. Swear upon who he was. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So in verse 15, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what he was promised. We're going to get to that, right? Waiting patiently. Verse 16. Uh, we're still in Hebrews chapter 6. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purposes very clear to the heirs of what he promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God was like, hey, I want to make the unchanging nature of my promises to you so very clear that I swear on myself to fulfill these promises. God did this, verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. That, that we, we flee to take hold of the hope that the promises that God has made to us are secure because God has sworn by himself, on himself, to fulfill them. We have this hope, verse 19, as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, that in the midst of 
shifting sea, if you want to use that analogy from last week, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the always changing circumstances of life, the chaos of life, we have hope, a patient expectation, in a promise that has not yet been realized. We have hope in the promises of God to us because he has sworn on himself that he will fulfill them. And so really God is in essence saying, hey look, my promises to you are a test of my character. They are a they are a proof of my character. God says, I swear on myself. I swear on my character. I promise. And so we're really left with two options here when God makes a promise to us. If God breaks the promise, then we have proved that he's a liar. Right? So God is either a liar or God keeps his promises and he's telling the truth. Well, if God is a liar, guess what? We're all doomed. <laughs> but if God always tells the truth, if God's promises will never be broken, if God's character and nature will remain intact in the midst of every circumstance, if he is the firm and secure anchor for our souls, then everything is always going to be okay. We can be joyful in hope. Because our hope as men, as women, as people who follow Jesus, our hope is not in the circumstances of life. Our hope is not in the money we have in our bank account. Our hope is not in the security of our job. Our hope is not in our own physical health, the health of others. Our hope is not in our spiritual leaders. Our hope is not in our spouse. Our hope is not in our kids. Our hope is not in our future plans or endeavors or goals or dreams. Our hope is in God and God himself and that is a firm anchor that goes down deep holding us secure what are some of these promises of God when we talk about the promises that God makes to us and how we can how we can be like all right well God makes me this promise God has made this promise to his people now God, are you going to keep this promise or not? Well, what are these promises, right? What are these promises that may, that can bring us encouragement in a difficult time like this? What are, what are these promises that will sustain our hope, sustain our confidence as we move through a circumstance or a situation like this? Now, we could go through um, hundreds of promises of God in Scripture, right? And well, I'm going to share some with you this morning, and it's going to require that I flip around in my 
uh, scripture here a little bit, and so you may want to just write these references down and, um, and visit them on your own uh, later. But uh, we're gonna, I, wanna, I do want to read some of these to you because I want you to grab hold of, all right, the tremendous promises of God for your life. I want you to grab a hold of the joy that you can have in the, the hope of God's fulfillment of these things because of his character, okay? So, for instance, in Isaiah chapter 40, we've read the scripture a lot together um, as a church family. Um, Isaiah uh, chapter 40, verses um, 29 through 31. He, he gives strength to the weary. Are you weary? Well, he gives strength to the weary. And he increases the power of the weak. Do you feel weak? Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But listen. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Promise of God. Those who hope in the Lord, their strength will be renewed no matter how powerless and weak and weary you feel even in the moment God promises to renew your strength over one chapter in Isaiah uh, 41 God says this he says so do not fear for I am with you do not be dismayed for I am I am your God, he says. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I will strengthen you. I will help you. During our forgiveness series that we preached um, here back a couple of months ago, we... We set our hope on, on this scripture from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, I'm certain that some of you uh, remember it. A promise from God to us, right? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's not just some random scripture verse that, that um, John is just like spouting off there. Right? That's a promise from God to us that, that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How about Malachi chapter 3, verse 10? One of the only times in Scripture where, um, where God is like, hey, he flat out is like, I want you to test me. Go, go ahead and try my faithfulness. Go, go ahead and, and put it to the test. And he... He does so in the area of tithes and offerings. Malachi 
chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. It's a promise of God that when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, God says, that he will open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing into your life that you will not have room to hold it. How about some more? I know like this gets a little bit feeling a little bit chaotic, just rummaging through the scriptures to uh, discover the promises of God. But look, if there is anything that I want you to come away with this morning, it's this is that God is not silent about what he desires for your life. God is not silent about what he wants for you, about what he desires for you. He has has openly promised you strength in times of weakness, to lift you up when you are feeling weary, to forgive you when you are when you have gone astray, to, to bless you when you are generous and faithful in your, um, in your offering, in your tithing, to, to take all circumstances that you feel are going to destroy you and ruin your life or ruin your livelihood or ruin your family or ruin your health and to mold and to make and to prepare and to set those things on a path for redemption and good things. In Romans chapter 8, yeah, we probably one of the greatest promises of all Scripture. People, I, I know people always set their feet down upon this one and with good reason because uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us of one of the greatest promises of God in all of Scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says that, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. You know that God is working to produce and bring good things in your life. To not, to not burden you and put you under a yoke of slavery or difficulty or trial. But God is actively working in all circumstances, even in this one, to bring significant good in your life. The last one, we could go on and on, like I said, but the last one I want to offer you maybe um, would be particularly helpful uh, for you who are um, maybe exceedingly anxious or stressed or nervous about this situation or this period of life. Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. I've spoken on this before. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I um, spoke um, at an impact group at JCC about uh, about this, about the the power uh, or the, the antidote to anxiety. This is a promise from God. Right? That the antidote to our anxiety is not, um, oh, just don't think about it. Oh, 
Um, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just be stronger. Um, just, you know, be happy. But the antidote to anxiety and worry and stress is prayer. That is the antidote. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the promise, okay? Verse 7. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, so that when we are under significant anxiety and stress and worry, that when we, when we press into the Lord in prayer, that the peace of God, His peace, which transcends all of our understanding. How can I possibly not be stressed out in a situation like this? Of course, everyone's going to be stressed. Everyone's going to be worried. Everyone's going to be anxious. Yeah, that might be like common understanding, right? But the peace of God comes and transcends all understanding. And it guards your heart. It guards your mind in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. A promise of God in the moment of your anxiety. So we can be joyful. We can be joyful even in the midst of um, the difficult circumstance that we are experiencing or that you will experience. Why? Uh, because we have hope. We have a, we have a patient confidence in what God has promised, but maybe in the midst of the current circumstance is not yet here. God is working for the good of all who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Well, it doesn't feel very good right now, right? Things are not very good right now. Bring your whole tithes into the storehouse and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven to rain down so much blessing upon you that you do not have room enough for it. Well, God, I know that's what you've promised me, um, but I'm, I've lost my job, or I'm already paycheck to paycheck. I don't know what to do with all of that. But, well, you can be joyful in hope, patiently confident that what God has promised will come to pass, even though it's not yet here in this moment. Be joyful in the fact that the, if the promise has been made by God, then God would have to be a liar not to fulfill that promise, and God will not be made out to be a liar. And so wait. Let us wait upon the Lord with joyfulness in the hope that we have that what He has promised is coming. And I think that may be part of what, um, as Paul was writing a letter to the Romans and, you know, just encouraging them in their own uh, relationship with Jesus. And Romans chapter 12, verse 12, he says, Be joyful in hope, but also be what? Be patient in affliction. You know, if 
heard it said so many times. I've said it before. Before I, I don't quite remember. Maybe it was someone in college, or I, I don't remember. But someone snapped me. Someone snapped me out of this um, when when I said one day, uh, "Oh, you know, you should never pray for patience. Don't pray for patience, because." You know, God will just make you wait for a whole bunch of things. Maybe. I mean, like, maybe that's the way that God helps us to learn patience or develops patience in our life. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not doubting that that's a way in which God will help to develop patience. But listen, y'all, patience is a fruit of the Spirit in our lives, right? That the, that the Word says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, if patience is a fruit of the work of the Spirit in my life, then I'm going to pray for patience. Because I want the Spirit to be working in me in such a way that the fruit of that work is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want those things, right? We, we want to have patience developed in us because it means the, the Spirit is, is cultivating the soil of our souls and that, and that our souls are, are, are held, they're fertile ground for fruit to grow. And, the thing, and, and patience is a fruit of the work of the Spirit. Y'all, how patient have you had to be this week? I mean, how patient? You see on Facebook all the like all these memes, and look, listen, I love memes. Like they, they, <laughs> they make you laugh both ironically and sometimes you laugh because they're so true, and sometimes you laugh because just they're they're just so funny. But but everyone's like, uh, you know, like you see memes. That say like, if, you know, this is month three of the quarantine, right? I've been locked down in my house for three months now, right? No, it's basically been a week or two, maybe. And it feels like six or it feels like eight or it feels like 12, right? Because, because in, a, in a world where patience is a rare commodity a week feels like six a month may feel like a year and maybe maybe in this moment what God is doing in us is allowing his Holy Spirit to plant seeds of patience in our lives so that that fruit can grow so that so that our spiritual lives may become fruitful in the things that are evidence of the spirit's work patience being one of them if you remember back from hebrews chapter 6 when when he was talking about the the character of god the promises of god he talked about how Abraham waited patiently for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Now, the promise to Abraham was 
that God would give him descendants, right? Give him a family. Well, if you remember the story, um, Abraham and his wife Sarah were so old, like in their hundreds, right? Way beyond childbearing years. And there was no way that it was going to happen. And, and, and in fact, Abraham was so impatient with the promise of God that he went out and he, um, he tried to have, he did have a son through a servant woman, right, named Hagar, because he, he would not exhibit or exercise hope in the patient and confident uh, promise that was coming but was not yet here. But there was certainly a period of patience that Abraham had to exhibit, right? He had to be patient through doubt. Will God really truly do this in my life? Patient through insecurity, right? I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe, you know, I'm speaking into a camera and so I can't see your face and I can't see... Um, really like your soul condition this week, but I know that I've had to be incredibly patient through insecurity this week. Am I doing enough? Am I enough? Will I survive this? Um, are people um, judging or criticizing my leadership or my um, my sermons, right, or and like just incredibly just like the, the seeds of insecurity that the enemy has been trying to plant, right, um, if, 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 they find, if they find fertile soil of insecurity rather than the fertile soil of patience in what God is doing, patience in the affliction that the pain of the moment um, will not last forever, then, then, then they're going to bud, right? They're going to fruit. They're going to produce fruit, right? Um, patience here, right? Patience in affliction. Patience is the willingness to accept both the truth and the reality that affliction, that, that trial, that difficult circumstances actually does produce positive things in our lives. Super unpopular thing to say in the midst of affliction, in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty. Like, what are you talking about? This is the worst situation I've ever gone through. This is the most horrible thing that I've ever experienced. I know. I understand. I've gone through difficult things in my life. You've gone through difficult things in yours. You've been through exceedingly hard things where, where, where every hope and every, and, and, every, and every promise and every confidence that you had were dashed on the rocks of the circumstance that you are in and you have been forced to be patient in the midst of the affliction and wait to see the goodness of God 
develops something in you and through you because of this circumstance. Because God really does, when we are patient in the midst of affliction, use those things to perfect our souls. And so we must, we must persevere through them in order to experience the product that God is building in us. I've said it a thousand times. I will say it a thousand more times that every meaningful, spiritual, practical, applicable lesson that I have learned in my life that I will carry with me until the day that I die has come at the hands of difficult circumstances. Every single thing worth carrying with me, every single lesson that has come or that, that is like, man, I am so grateful to like carry now that wisdom, that experience with me has not come out of a situation that I would have willingly received in my life, but it has come at the, at the, the hands of something that God was pressing into me, but that I was resisting and that I didn't want and that I didn't think I needed and that I was trying to escape from and I was trying to want, run away from. But when I sat and was patient in the midst of that affliction, God was faithful to himself and faithful to me by bringing good, by bringing redemption, by producing fruit that I'm carrying with me now and that I can offer to others as a meal in times of discouragement. Finally, we're here in the last part. And remember, these things are, are um, they're parallel tracks, right? So we don't be joyful in hope and then patient in affliction and then we can be faithful in prayer. There are things that we must do right in a row or right at the same time. Be doing them all together, all the time. Hey man, I'm gonna, I am joyfully um, believing in confidence in the promises of God for my good, right? At the same time, I'm going to be patient and wait in the midst of affliction. At the same time, I'm going to be faithful in prayer throughout this whole thing. Holy cow. Here, you want to... I was like... I, I was Honestly, I was sitting at my desk last night finalizing my notes for this morning. And I was having a hard time hearing the Lord. And I was having a hard time kind of sorting through the white noise of the week. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of static in the background of my soul. A lot of static in the background of my mind. And I was kind of, I was asking the Lord, Lord, can you just turn down the volume on everything else because... I really just want to hear you. I really just need to hear you in this moment. 
And his voice back to me was very gentle, but it was very firm. It was firm and decisive, but gentle and compassionate. And he essentially said this to me. He said, by and large, you've just spent the last week just passing the time. You've just been passing the time. Trying to keep yourself busy. Trying to just get through to the next thing. And I heard him say this to me. Do not just try to pass the time. Survival, surviving through this, it's not the goal. It may be a goal, and yet in some circumstances, I think it's a necessary, for, necessary one for us to focus on, but it's not the goal. And there comes a point in time in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our patient confidence in what has been promised but is not yet here, that we must, that we must actively be patient. We must actively wait. And the way that we actively be patient, and the way that we actively wait in the midst of, in the gap between the promise of God and the fulfillment of God is in the work of prayer. The active waiting. The active patience. Waiting patiently in a passionate pursuit of God's voice in faithful prayer as he speaks his promises over your life and your faith is restored, your faith is built your faith is strengthened and you see your circumstances redeemed. And if we simply sit and try to pass the time instead of actively pursuing the heart and voice of God in prayer, we will miss everything that he is redeeming in us in this moment. And we will be left on a Saturday night staring at a page of notes thinking, Lord, why can't I hear you? Why is the, why is the white noise so much louder than your spirit? Well, because you passed the time scrolling all week, right? You passed the time in isolation you passed the time in Netflix. You, you passed the time. You passed the time. You passed the time. You passed the time. How many of us, how many of us even sometime in the last year have been like, man, I really want to spend more time with the Lord, but I just don't have time. <laughs> I really just wish I could spend more time in the Word. I really just wish I had more time to pray. God's like, okay, um, Hold my coffee. <laughs> I'll give you time. 
I'll give you the time that you want. You don't have time to spend, to, you don't have time to pursue me. Here's some time. You don't have time to dig into my word. Here's some time. Don't just pass the time. Don't, don't waste the opportunity to let the Lord speak into your heart, speak into your life, to, 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 to push in his promises by faith into you. Wait patiently. Wait patiently, yes, in the midst of affliction, but wait in a passionate pursuit of God's voice in prayer. Because God is eager and is at all times speaking his promises over you. Be joyful in those promises because what he has promised will come to pass. Your faith will be encouraged. Your faith will be strengthened. God is doing something in you. God is doing something in us. Ask him to reveal that in this time. I didn't know how I was going to maybe hold myself accountable to this. You know, because, you know, surprise, surprise, even pastors need held accountable to seeking the Lord. And, and one of those things was that, like, I didn't want the feeling that I had last night to, be, to ever be a feeling that I had again about, like, literally having to ask the Lord to turn down the white noise of the rest of the rest of the like the rest of life that I could truly hear his voice speaking to me. I don't want that. I don't even want to have to ask that. Even though God is faithful and God will, God, God will do that when we ask it, right? He has grace and compassion and gentleness with us. I was thinking like, man, what are some other like just real practical ways that I can be accountable to this like not just passing the time attitude? I don't know if you guys like I know a lot of us have iPhones. iPhones have this really annoying notification that they send me every Sunday morning that tells me how much screen time I've had in the past week. Every Sunday morning, I get this notification. And for, what, for, for whatever reason, I haven't turned the no notification off because I don't know why. But it's like, your screen time has gone up by 36% from last week. Or you average such and such hours a day on your phone. And like every time I see that, I'm like, oh, geez. That's how I passed five hours of my day. That's what I did with my time. And so I got that notification this morning and I was like, oh, dear Jesus, please help me. Because I'm just passing the time, man. I don't want to just pass the time, I want to hear the Lord. I want to experience the, his goodness and the confidences of, confidence of his promises fulfilled in my life. I want to be joyful in hope. I want to be patient in affliction. I want to be faithful in prayer. Here's what I'm going to do. Despite what my flesh is crying out saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You're going to regret it. I feel like, you know, I'm going to post a screenshot of the screen time notification that I got this morning. I'm going to post a screenshot of that. Um, on all my social media 
Um, as soon as this sermon's over, I'm going to post it, okay? Um, and then next week, I'll post a screenshot of whatever the notification is. Again, how much screen time I got. How much screen time I had, right? And is that the only way that we waste time? No, it's not, of course. I get it. Like, I think for most of us, that's a pretty big way that we just pass the time, right? I'm just going to pass the time. Just going to wait till this is over. Just going to get through this. Man, I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to just pass the time through this. I want God to speak to you. I want God to speak into your heart. I want God to confirm and affirm and reaffirm his promises for your good, for your health, for your blessing, for your forgiveness. I want those, I want those those promises to take root deep down into your soul so that you can be patient in the midst of affliction, knowing that, hey, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm, not, just, I'm not just wishing upon a star that things... I, I, am, I am confident that God is going to do the things in my life that he has promised to do because I know that the choices are either God does it or God's a liar. And God's not a liar. I'm going to, um, maybe we can invite the Ellen and Billy and Devin back up this morning and I'm going to close us out with another, um, another song this morning. We have, have lyrics that we'll put up on the screen. And so if you feel like you want to, um, sing those wherever you are, or, um, just want to see those in, um, at, you know, meditate through them as they're, as they're singing and, and, and playing, you can, you can do that, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how long uh, worship will be in this format. All I can say is that we will do all that we can to, um, to continue to offer you an opportunity to encounter God. Um, maybe we'll do some different things here and there. What I can say is that I am joyful in the hope that we will be together again that we will worship together in this room again, that we will see each other in the flesh again, that we will hug, that we will shake hands, that we will high-five, that we will sing with one voice in one room the praises of our God who has, who has delivered us from this time of trial, who has brought us through this thing. And let me tell you what, we are going to have the most conduit-esque party that you have ever seen when that day comes. And we are going to celebrate the goodness of God. We are going to celebrate what God is doing in our, in our hearts and in our families and in our faith during this time of separation because God is going to speak to you as you, as you are faithful in prayer. God is going to speak to you as you are patient in affliction. God is going to speak to you as you are joyful in hope. I am so sure of it. I don't wish for it. I know it. I am confident of it in your life. I am confident of it in my life. Heavenly Father, when all else fails, your goodness remains. When all is falling apart, 
It is your promises that become an anchor for our soul. It is you, Lord, not just your promises, but you, your character, your nature, who you are. That makes us firm and secure. Lord, may we this week and every week be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In Jesus' name. Thank you.